y'all. Welcome to Vibrant Visionaries. This is the podcast that's a gathering place for the quirky, the creative, the weird, the wonderful. And I have an amazing interview today with an incredible guest. So let's get into it. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. This is Heidi Bennett, and this is the Vibrant Visionaries podcast. Um, welcome new listeners and welcome old friends. We've got a new friend today. Tanya Ransom is my guest. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk with you. You've got a, a couple of different things you do, which is common for guests of this podcast. <laughs> Multi-hyphenate people kind of doing a lot of different creative things. And, and I, I really resonated when I met you briefly in a group meeting. Yeah, just why don't you just share with us what you do and anything new that's upcoming that you're working on. This will be coming out this, uh, this summer, 2022. All right. Well, I'm Tanya Ransom. I'm the creator and executive producer of Nightlight, a horror podcast that features creepy tales written by Black writers from all over the world. At the moment that we're recording this now, I am raising funds for a new podcast that is best described as Lovecraft Country meets True Blood, um, a story that's close to my heart because it's about hoodoo and that's what my family practiced growing up. So, you know, going back to my roots, the fundraiser is going to end July 17th. Super, super excited. Hopefully we can bring it out into the world. Hopefully we can hit our goal. It's my baby. It's very close to my heart. So it's a project that I'm really, really hoping gets funded. Awesome. So we'll make sure this goes out before then. In fact, I was thinking of dropping this around when I'm covering um, Chattanooga Film Fest. Oh, cool. Because I know there'll be new people listening also that are into like horror and genre and you know, big podcast listeners and stuff too. So I wanted to make sure awesome. the most amount of people are listening in. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, this is definitely my jam. Like True Blood, I was just thinking about the other day. I'm like, I think it's about time for me to do another I miss that show so much. True Blood <laughs> You know, I went to a signing with Charlene Harris. And like, I mean, I didn't even have a book out at the time. And I was just fangirling all over. Like there was a huge line, of course, you know, waiting for her to sign. Like nobody was waiting for me to sign. Nobody knew who I was. <laughs> <laughs> but to be in her presence and signing with her was, you know, one of the highlights of my life. Oh, that's so awesome. Meeting up with people in person, too. I know on your Instagram, you're just at a convention and mm -hmm. stuff, and it just brought me in. I was like, oh, I can't wait to get back to to seeing people in, in person yeah. and hoping to do more of that this year, too. Yeah, it was super great. Oh, I should mention the link for fundraising for the podcast. The new podcast is called Afflicted. So if you want to support Afflicted and see like a preview of it, and hopefully I'll have a trailer up by the time um, this gets posted, it's bit.ly slash support afflicted. From the team behind the award-winning best fiction horror podcast, Nightlight. A new audio drama that brings the southern folklore of True Blood and the cosmic horror of Lovecraft Country to your ears. You don't hear that, do you? Afflicted is a tale of hoodoo, a demonic book bound in human flesh, and natural disasters that are anything but natural. Which grave did you get the dirt from? Which grave? Afflicted, a horror thriller audio drama coming Halloween 2022, but only if we raise enough money to pay everyone a living wage. Support Afflicted at bit.ly slash support afflicted to hear the full series this fall. It's 
what do we talk about? There's so many things. Like I'd love to hear about fundraising, how that idea came about or um, what kind of success you've had about or anything you want to share. Yeah, well, absolutely. So um, we'll start with my first season of Nightlight. I actually funded that on Indiegogo. I had no platform at the time. Um, my day job was in marketing. So I'm pretty good with marketing stuff. You know, did it for 10, 15 years at this point. So really long time, mostly focused on digital marketing. And, you know, when I started Nightlight, you know, there were two things that I wanted to do with the fundraiser. One, you know, I wanted to um, paying for my authors, paying for my voice actors, et cetera. I did not want to ask for free labor from anybody. Um, that was, you know, something that I was, I was very, very insistent about. Um, and I also wanted to validate the idea. You know, fundraising is a great way to validate your idea. If you get a lot of money from your fundraiser, then you know that you're going to have a good, solid base of listenership that you can grow with. Whereas if no one wants to... You know, if a bunch of people are clicking on your fundraiser, but they're not giving you money, then maybe your idea isn't as good as you hoped it would be and you need to refine it a little bit. That was what I wanted to do with the Nightlight fundraiser. You know, again, started with no platform, you know, just people that I'd worked with, friends, family, bots, <laughs> you know, or my followers on Twitter, nobody important. Um, but I decided to create this free resource to sort of generate a little bit of buzz around Nightlight. Um, and the free resource was the database of black writers. So basically, if you were a black horror writer, I could put your name, and not just horror writers, but black writers, I could put your name in a database. So when people said, you know, hey, you know, I'm looking for a black writer to write about X, you know, I'd have this database that I could say, oh, here are some people that you can reach out to that can help you out. Um, and that got me a ton of followers on both my personal Twitter account and the Nightlight Twitter account. And then after I created that free resource, that's when I started promoting the Indiegogo campaign. And I raised almost $1,500, um, you know, again, with no platform at all. So super excited. Um, it was enough to fund, oh, I can't even remember how many episodes, I think 14 or 15 episodes for season one. So that was a great way to kind of get us started. And then, you know, of course, from there, I started supporting the Patreon, advertising the Patreon on the podcast so that I could keep producing extra seasons. And, you know, it's just kind of grown from there, um, with this new podcast, Afflicted, of course, I've got a much bigger platform now. Um, I think I had 15, 1600 followers when all of this started. I did not offer a free resource at this point. I did a reading at StokerCon of um, the script for Afflicted, you know, modified so that it would work and, you know, generated a lot of buzz at StokerCon, created the Indiegogo campaign, and we're almost at $3,000. And it launched 5 o'clock last evening, and we're recording this at 1 o'clock my time. So less than 24 hours, you know, <laughs> pretty much doubled what I raised for awesome. Nightlight. But we've got a very, very long way to go. We're trying to raise $17,000. Um, so this is obviously much more ambitious than uh, Nightlight was. But I think the key to raising funds, whether you have a platform or not, is to stay consistent and be in front of people. Because people forget or they think, oh, I might give to that, but you know, I'm going to wait and see. And they'll forget about you, right? So, you know, making sure that you stay in front of them, but not be too annoying. You know, don't post about it like every five minutes. <laughs> you know, obviously, people are just going to mute you or, you know, unfollow you and move on. But every few hours, post something about what it is you're fundraising. And make sure that you use words that your audience would really resonate with. So for Nightlight, obviously, the words were black horror. 
Um, you know, people wanted to support diverse work. You know, I wanted to make sure that we were getting a, b- a bunch of people who loved horror because it's a horror podcast. <laughs> you know, they were going to be disappointed if they were looking for like a romance podcast <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> so, you know, just making sure that you pay attention to the things that your audience is going to want to support and use those words. So for Afflicted, you know, we're talking about how we want to pay a living wage to everyone um, because that kind of explains why we're asking for so much money. $17,000 is a lot of money. And I think a lot of people would be hesitant to, you know, give that money because they're like, oh, they're just being greedy and wanting to pay themselves, you know, lots of money. Like, no, we're trying to pay everyone who's working on this a living wage. And that requires a lot of money. You know, hitting on the fact that this is about hoodoo because there's not a lot of content out there at all about hoodoo. It's, you know, it's different from voodoo. So, you know, definitely wanting to highlight the difference there. And of course, sort of piggybacking on the fact that Nightlight won Best Fiction Podcast last year, which LeVar Burton won the year before that. So, you know, like winning an award that LeVar Burton won is first of all a huge thing. But, you know, it's also a great marketing tool because now I can say that, you know, my partner and I produced an award-winning podcast and we want to create another podcast that is a full cast audio drama. So hitting all of those points that make people, you know, one, the quality of the podcast is going to be good you know, alleviating that fear that, you know, they might contribute money to something that ends up really sucking. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody wants that, right? Um, you know, building that trust that they know that we're actually going to build it. We're not just going to, you know, run to Mexico with <laughs> your money type situation. And, you know, highlighting the things that are different about Afflicted versus the other horror audio dramas that are out there. And so far, it's working really, really well, better than I expected. Um, you know, we had a couple of secret perks that are always, already gone. Didn't think that they would go that quickly. So now I've got to come up with more <laughs> secret perks <laughs> for people. You know, it's, I'm, I feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hose at this point. But, you know, the beginning, you generate a lot of money because it's mostly people you've met, friends and family, you know, your fans that have previously supported you. And then it kind of fizzles out. So then you have to reach out to influencers and other people to sort of keep that momentum going. And that's kind of where we are now. You know, last night I was drinking out of a fire hose. It's starting to trickle down and, you know, it's time to get to work and try to get more buzz generated um, with the audience that isn't necessarily already connected to me. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much for explaining all that. I think so many great points. And I was, I have a cooking show too that I launched on YouTube last year and I'm always refining. And after like the first few episodes I put out, I thought, okay, what is this really about? You know, how am I different? What words describe what it is that I'm making or what the tone of this is or who, yeah, who would like this? And is it fun? Is it serious? It's right. fun. It's not serious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And then, yeah, the quality, like I have it be shot in the house of um, a cinematographer so he can set nice. everything up with the lighting and the cameras and everything. Yeah. And, the, and so it looks really great, you know. So I think I'd like to ask you some just kind of general creativity questions, questions about your own creativity. I was just thinking this morning when um, I got excited about knowing I was going to be talking with you today and some other people I have lined up later this week. And it was sort of getting my creative juices going. So I was thinking about like, oh yeah, you know, earlier this week I was a little energetically sort of low and I was a little bit hot around here in Oakland, California. And mm-hmm. I was sort of like, Ugh. and I kept looking at like what was going on later in the week. And then that would get me kind of yeah. stoked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So I was wondering, yeah, like with you, what what sort of stokes your creative fire or gets you 
excited or motivated to work on your projects oh man you know well i was at StokerCon this last weekend like i mentioned you know obviously anytime i go to a conference and i'm around a bunch of creative people especially people you know who are doing great things you know best-selling authors or there's you know awards that they're presenting at the convention like it's you can't help but be inspired to go and work on your own stuff you know seeing all these other people who are putting great things out into the world and just you know, feeding off of that energy, you know, not necessarily like a vampiric way, <laughs> you know, more of a, <laughs> more of a like, wow, like I'm really inspired by what you're doing and you have such great energy. It just like boosts your energy level. So you can't always go to a conference, you know, there's not a conference every day. And if there were, you know, very few people could afford <laughs> to go to a conference um, every day, you know, aside from that, you know, hearing comments about my work is, you know, always a huge, huge boost when, you know, people send me DMs or emails or, you know, just send um, tweets or, you know, comments on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, you know, saying that they, you know, really loved something that I did. You know, that's always, that's always a great feeling, especially, you know, when they talk about how scared they were, or how they, you know, couldn't listen to the podcast with, without the lights on, <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, you know, I achieved my goal, I scared you so much that, uh, you know, you can't sleep tonight. <laughs> like it's, you know, it's a, it's a horrible thing to say, but it's, you know, it's the goal of every horror author is to, you know, live rent free in your head and, you know, make you question what's happening and, you know, want to leave the lights on and, you know, not be able to sleep super soundly that night. You know, although I do want people to get good rest, it's important to get good rest. You know, I want to, I want to give people nightmares too. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't do that on my own at nightlight. You know, it's, I'm taking other authors work and I'm producing it, but I have someone else doing the sound design. So basically I, the only thing I'm doing is editing the stories to make sure that they work for audio. Um, you know, passing it off to my sound designers who do, you know, excellent work and putting in sound effects that scare people. Like there's one episode that, you know, a lot of people were saying um, there's like this bee or fly or something that buzzes and I mean it's just a great sound and so many people commented that you know they felt like there was something really buzzing you know that they turned their heads really quickly and you know like swatted at their ear <laughs> kind of thing so you know making people react to those sounds in real life is you know I think really cool but that that's not part of what I do you know I may say let's put this kind of sound here but I'm typically not the one that picks those sounds so you know I really rely a lot on the authors and the sound designers to put a product together that will scare people and delight people. And, you know, my job is just to coordinate it all and, you know, put in a little bit of creative input and, you know, get it out into the world. So, you know, I feel like, I feel like the people behind the scenes often don't get enough recognition. For sure. For sure. And you said that you also, you're choosing the stories as well. Yes. Is that still true? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what is it that, compels you I mean it's different for each story yeah, obviously yeah. but like are there certain common things you're starting to notice like sort of make your ears perk up or you know get you excited to bring it to life yeah I mean I'm a huge fan of the Twilight Zone so you know first and foremost if it's something that I can imagine being a Twilight Zone episode like that that's that's an easy sell for me you know aside from that you know I would say the difference between audio and written fiction is that with audio, you have to have a little bit faster pacing. Um, you know, people can skim, you know, if you're explaining what the curtains look like and, you know, furniture looks like on the page, people can kind of skim it, get, you know, a general idea of what it looks like if they don't want to read the whole thing and then, you know, get back to 
you know, the action or something else that, you know, compels them to read. Whereas with audio fiction, they can't really do that. It's really hard to, you know, like skip forward because then you might skip forward too far and then you got to back up and, you know, nobody wants to deal with that. So you've got to have faster pacing in audio fiction, you know, is my particular opinion. I think that holds an audience more than anything. You have to have a really strong beginning. I think that's true of any writing, but having, you know, a super strong beginning where it compels someone to ask a question, you know, if whether that's, you know, who murdered this person or how did this happen? Or, you know, I'm worried about this character, you know, what's going to happen to them? You know, it, you know, even the smallest question that ignites some curiosity in them will keep them listening or keep them reading. And the sooner you do that, you know, the sooner you introduce your hook, the more likely you are to keep that reader or listener or viewer. I was thinking about that with listening to some of your episodes and some of the ones that LeVar reads because I love his podcast too it's like then I assess that like what is keeping me listening what is making me kind of say and sometimes I realize my brain is just not in the space to fully be immersed and I go oh I'll listen to something lighter and sillier right now and then you know come back to this when I'm ready to just be fully immersed but it is I love like the beginning of any story where you're like, is this person going to be, say, the bad guy or the good guy? Right. Is it more complicated than yeah. that? That's kind of a fun part of the discovery oh, yeah. is like, is this a reliable narrator? Yes. Are they, you know, telling me what really happened or just their perception of it? Yes. And definitely Twilight Zone. Like, I love Star Trek, too. And yeah. a lot of Star Trek episodes are very Twilight zone Yeah. I mean, I think I think the reason Twilight Zone was so successful is that it was social commentary masking itself as entertainment. You know, it's not super clear. I mean, it, if you think about it, it's, it's clear that it's, you know, a social commentary. But that's not how it was approached. It doesn't feel, like, preachy. But, you know, especially, like, you know, the episodes with aliens and you know things of that sort you know coming to invade you know it is very much about you know the racism of the time and the civil rights movement and xenophobia and um you know people fearing the other however the other is defined you know but it but it doesn't say you know don't be racist (laughs) you know it just shows these terrible reactions of people and the results of those terrible reactions to the other and, you know, the smarter among us will make the connection like, hey, maybe racism isn't such a good thing. <laughs> you know, bad things could happen to me. I um, mean, you know, and obviously they were, you know, incredibly entertaining scripts. And, you know, and not all of them focused on social commentary. But I think most of them did, you know, in some way. Even um, Living Doll, the one with the talkie Tina doll that, you know, basically like kills the dad. You know, I think it's a social commentary. You know, it's especially at the time, a lot of times dads weren't involved with their children's lives a lot of times they were what we would consider abusive today but back then it was just you know how dads were they were hard on their kids because you know they wanted them to be successful etc cetera, etc cetera. but they didn't show a lot of love to their kids it wasn't expected for men to show love to their children and so i think that episode is a commentary on you're a dad whether you're a biological father to that child or not you know it's important that you care about that child and of course the doll was the protector of this child in this instance because the dad was you know mean to the little girl and you know did not treat her kindly and the doll defended her and i really i really love that you know in that it doesn't seem like a social commentary but it you know it absolutely was yeah when i think about how this podcast vibrant visionaries the more i've learned what it is that i'm um, 
hoping to share more of or shine a light on are like how entertainment makes impact. Yes. And so you're being entertained, but there's something that lingers that helps you reflect. Yes. On the human experience, but also maybe you might watch an episode or listen to a podcast or whatever, you know, this piece of entertainment and at first be repulsed by someone. Mm -hmm. And then as time goes by and you learn to have more compassion for that character or whatever, or continue to be repulsed by them, then sometimes, you know, I'll notice like, Ooh, this is really getting me because I know when I've been like this for people, yes. you know, I know when yes. I, this has it creates bubbled up in me, yeah. you know, <laughs> so it creates the self-awareness. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it makes for, I think, lasting entertainment too. Yeah. Like you, want to come back to yeah. detail. Well, I think, you know, I think media can be incredibly helpful in the world and, you know, cultivating compassion and it can be incredibly harmful. You know, if we look at previous representations of minorities in media, especially, you know, think of Birth of a Nation, you know, it was screened at the White House and, you know, depicted black people horribly. And when you don't have contact with a certain group of people, either because you isolate yourself from them or you're just not around them because they're not where you are, especially, you know, in rural areas, you believe whatever the media shows you to believe about that group of people. And if you never come in contact, say, with a black person and, you know, have a real conversation with a black person, then you're more inclined to believe that, you know, most black people are lazy or gangsters or, you know, whatever it is that you have put in your mind. You know, our minds hold on to stories. Our minds love and crave stories. And when you present information in a story format, we're more likely to remember it. You know, I used to be a teacher and that was one of the things that they taught is, you know, basically kind of make it a story because your students are going to remember it more if it's a story in some kind of way. And so everything that we consume, whether it's, you know, books, TV, movies, podcasts, whatever, you know, we're ingesting that information. And if we're ingesting information that, you know, black people are lazy or, you know, Mexicans are taking all of our jobs or, you know, whatever it is, then we're more inclined to believe it if we don't know a person in real life from that group. I think some of the most important work that you can do is creating media that represents marginalized identities in an accurate and positive way. And I have to give Daniel Jose Older credit for that because I met him a long time ago at the Texas Book Festival. You know, I'd read some of his books, loved his books and, you know, went up to him and, you know, said that, you know, I, I really want to write, but I feel like it's such a selfish thing to do. And he said, no, it's the most selfless thing you can do because you're putting something out there in the world that can influence people to be more compassionate, to teach people to think about things from different perspectives so that they're not just seeing things from their own perspective. And the more that's out there that shows people from marginalized perspectives in a positive way the more we combat some of the negative stereotypes that have been, you know, pushed out into the world since, you know, books, TV, film begin. Yeah. And everybody that tells their story, they just have no idea how, what kind of impact that will have on your readers. Or yeah. when I watch, listen, or read these stories and like, oh, when I used to watch the X-Files and love that and that it made more women want to be in, uh, you know, investigators yeah. or, you know, go into sciences. And so, yeah, everything that we do 
like that. Every time we share our personal stories or write and explore and express and publish and share, yeah. we're giving people, you know, those wider views. Right. And we're also giving birth to new ideas. Like my boyfriend and I were talking about this the other day, how if you look at old science fiction, you can see how some of those ideas have come to life. You know, some some writer dreamed it up or, you know, screenwriter, however, however you want to term it dreamed something up you know 50 60 years ago and now it's a real thing that we can hold you know like these smartphones and holograms and you know all these things that were just someone's imagination and then someone with the scientific background to make it come true you know read that saw it whatever at some point and thought hey i'm going to make this thing reality and you know now it's reality so we are literally creating reality when we create these stories you know no matter which form of story you tell no matter which media you use you are you are birthing an idea into the world that will likely one day become a real thing even though you just imagined it and it's made up now no kidding yeah and and that reminds me of something i don't really talk much about on the podcast but i'd like to like just throw out there too today is there's no limit to your imagination and so there's no reason to think small or narrow or like, I don't know what I think about people going like, oh, I'd really like to buy a house one day or yeah. do this or this kind of travel. I don't know if I could do it. But like when you're thinking and dreaming and imagining, like it is bringing new ideas into the world. So I would just encourage everybody listening to just let it all run wild yes. and share it with those who you know will, you know, encourage that kind of like, full spectrum thought experiments or 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 writing or you know free writing or yeah. whatever i don't know that's something maybe we can kind of wrap up on too but is when you're doing your own writing what sort of processes do you use to help you not limit your imagination i i definitely do not outline you know <laughs> i know that you know a lot of people you know swear by outlining i know that outlining is required you know if you're traditionally published or you're doing screenwriting you know they they want to see outlines but i find that if i do an outline what i end up doing is starting to write with that outline and then i have another idea and then i kind of like stray <laughs> you know from it i can write to an outline if you know if i need to but i often find that it limits my ability to explore different avenues you know i think outlines are great especially if you need to get something out quickly because it forces you to kind of like stay on track because one of my problems with not outlining is that, you know, I tend to venture off and it takes me longer to get things done because I've ventured off into this other realm. And then I'm like, oops, that doesn't work. <laughs> and then, you know, I have to kind of like come back. But usually what I do is I start with a character in mind. I have a beginning in mind. And I usually, I, I really like to write stories with a twist. So I usually have a twist somewhat in mind. You know, a lot of times it's not super solid. Um, I kind of like it when the twist isn't super solid because when I'm surprised by it, then I know the reader's going to be surprised by it. <laughs> You know, um, and then, you know, I'll have like a vague idea of the ending a lot of times. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just start writing and then the ending comes to me as I'm writing. But I'll say like I never use the same process twice. It's just kind of whatever moves me in that moment and how I'm feeling creatively is kind of what drives me. But, you know, I, usually I just have a general idea, especially of the character. I usually have a really solid idea of the character and the thing that they're struggling with in their life. Like, um. My novella is about, you know, it started with this character. I actually had a dream where um, I was this woman. It wasn't me, you know, from like a visual perspective. It was someone else, but I was, you know, that person. 
in this nightmare and you know i was having coffee at a diner in the morning and you know somebody came in there robbing the place and they shot the place up and you know i get shot and i die and my blood is you know like creeping over to this planner that i had that you know i kept my entire life in and you know it kind of made me think of this idea of a character who's super controlling of everything you know wants to control every single detail of their life and then of course the lesson that they need to learn is that you can't control everything about your life sometimes you just have to go with the flow and so that that ended up being the genesis of my novella and you know in it she is a zombie a haitian kind of zombie not the arg brains romero kind of zombie um where she's trapped in her body and someone else is controlling her which is you know the worst thing that can happen to a control freak (laughs) (laughs) and so that and that's what the story is about is her regaining control but also relinquishing control where it's important to do so and being more open-minded about things instead of being so closed off to the idea of different ways of doing things. Very cool. Thank you so much. This has been an awesome conversation. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk. Me too. Um, where do you like to send people to to be updated on your your fundraising, but just all of your other projects? Yeah. Okay. So you can find Nightlight at Nightlight Pod or, you know, anywhere you listen to podcasts, it's going to be there. Um, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Nightlight Pod. You can find me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, even though I'm not posting anything on TikTok yet, at Mystifying, M-I-S-S-D-E-F-Y-I-N-G, so Mystifying. Um, you can help fundraise for Afflicted at bit.ly slash support Afflicted. Follow Afflicted at Afflicted Audio on Twitter and probably Instagram. I'm going to get that set up. Hopefully that's available. And you can find my novella Risen on Amazon. Um, I don't have a short link for that. Just search for Tony, uh, Tonya Ransom uh, Risen and it'll pop up. There'll be like this really awesome cover of like this skeleton guy with a hat on it who's Baron Smitty. Awesome. Cool. Well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and uh, continued success on your fundraising. It sounds like it's off to a great start and uh, we'll talk with you soon. Great. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great time. Awesome. Thanks. Ciao, everybody. So Tanya and I both mentioned our love of The Twilight Zone, True Blood, What are your favorite shows? These are all in these genres that's sort of a blend of horror and sci-fi, but there's also compassion and, you know, they challenge us to look at the world in different ways. And I just love to hear what you think about these shows or other ones. What's your favorite Twilight Zone episode? Contact me at vibrantvisionariespodcast at gmail.com if you want to shout out your favorite episode or favorite show. I've got incredible interviews with folks from the Chattanooga Film Festival, people who are already winning awards for their films. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Check out everything at vibrantvisionaries.com. This has been Heidi Bennett, and thanks so much for listening. Ciao for now.